Welcome to MindShift, tools to upgrade your daily experience. Hello and welcome to MindShift. Today I have a guest that I've been really, really excited to have on the show. And Lana Rose is someone I've met through a, a meditation group. It's actually a, uh, a Buddhist recovery group. Um, one thing I really, really liked about it is when I showed up, unlike any other recovery group, you could have told me it was a meditation group and it would have been the exact same same thing. And, uh, and I would have never known the difference because no one there um, is talking about, about their addictions or what you know, kind of the negative side that I've seen around recovery, uh, which I do think actually gets people kind of stuck in some places, the more we talk about our addictions, rather than where we're going, what we see as our future self, which this this medium was totally different. And, and Lana Rose was uh, the, the facilitator of the meeting that was getting everybody together, getting everybody meditating. And, uh, and the more she shared her story and everything, the more I'm just like, Oh man, I gotta, I gotta talk to this lady. And so, so Lana Rose, welcome to the show. Uh, first, how, how long have you been, been sober and clean and, and, uh, been on your uh, recovery path? So my, um, at three years, I just celebrated three years. Hi, Cody. Excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, three years, February 2nd, 2018 is my, is my date. That's yeah. awesome. And so a little over three years. Uh, congratulations. That's amazing. Um, I'm, I'm coming up on three years. It's the, the week before Halloween uh, that I stopped drinking. And, uh, and that's been, yeah, 2018. So, uh, so that's awesome. I'm very, very, you're, you're about six months ahead of me. So that's, that's amazing. So what, um, first let's, let's hear a little bit about the background of like where you were at. Um, I know at times you felt like there was no really future hope in, in the way you were living and, and what was that like? And like, what was, what's kind of your story surrounding that? Um, well, my, my addiction took me, um, pretty, pretty deep. I would say, um, the bottom of the bottom of the barrel, you know, um, I was an IV user. I was in and out of the hospital. Um, I, I ended up in Vegas with my sister and, um, and that's just a whole nother ball of wax. And, you know, it just the lowest of low, I would, I would say, or for me, that's where it, um, that's where it took me, but it all kind of started with, you know, and um, I remember doing Oxycontin's after work you know, and then on the weekends, it was an eight ball, you know, you had mm -hmm. to have an eight ball, <laughs> good drink. And, um, and that, yeah, that's just, that's where it started. And it just kind of progressed from there. But, um, yeah, I remember, um, oh gosh, I, you know, I was even, I was on a reality TV show for my addiction and that was in 2000, um, 2008, and that was a whole nother different kind of catalyst. Then I, then it was like, I viewed myself as uh, an addict, you know? So being on the reality show kind of set in more in place that you were, you were an addict and this is just kind of part of your identity. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. And, um, I don't know in that world, it's what 
it's just kind of how I 15 minutes of fame and, you know, and that's what I got. And that's how I, so I viewed myself in, I don't know, a different light. I had a lot of traumatic stuff that happened. It was in a, uh, a rape case in California where I was a lead witness and that, um, and that was, you know, just part of being addicted is all, you know, the trauma that comes along with that is a whole nother thing too. And so it just progressed in that, um, in that realm, you know, but, um, yeah, my, um, really what, how it started for me though, was, um, yeah, after 2008, 2008, after, um, intervention, um, I, I started IV using, I moved out, I went to treatment in Florida and I got sober for a little bit. <clears throat> I moved up to Maryland with a boyfriend. He later passed away from um, the addiction or his addiction about three years ago. But, um, and that I came, I moved back to St. George um, and, and then Vegas was, you know, um, Vegas was a, yeah, it, that started on that journey too, but it was just different couch surfing, different guys, you know, um, prostitution was a part of that. And sometimes when I tell my story, I don't even know how to bring in that part of it. You know what I mean? It's still, there's still healing going on and that's all yeah. part of recovery. And so, um, but the, the mind control, I guess, in that realm was really, I remember at some point in my addiction, I remember, um, uh, being in Vegas. And I remember having this moment, you might find this interesting, Cody, um, where my mind, it was like, I could feel my mind cracking. It was like this moment where, uh, you know, cause everything's in that realm, everything's perversed. It's, or upside down or, you know, pedophilia is okay. And, you know, and this is all, you know, it's just a backwards way of thinking, I guess, however you look at it. And, um, but I do remember it was about a year of being secluded in that and lots of control and, you know, and mm -hmm. the way it's done, you just make you question your own, you know, your own intuition and your own kind of standing or thoughts or, you know, how you feel. And, um, and yeah, I remember a moment where my mind started to crack and I reverted immediately back to it, like a childhood state. It was weird. It's weird looking back on that. But I think, um, I think it was just your mind kind of protecting, protecting you in itself. that moment. Yeah. I think at that point, um, I do have a sister that's, she's actually missing right now, but she, she really got into that world and brought me into it and she hasn't, um, she hasn't come out of it, you know, so you can yeah. really do some damage with your mind, I think you know, in different Yeah, realms. absolutely. Well, and I know, uh, the, you know, the five people you surround yourself with, um, are who you become most like, and there's some actually interesting studies saying that even the three people that they surround themselves with are uh, likely to influence you as well. Mm. And being completely surrounded by that world, I can only, only imagine what, what your mind would have to do to protect itself from, from some of the atrocities. I think I'm totally butchering that word, but uh, <laughs> going on, absolutely. So, so what, what was the catalyst to bring you out of that world to, to actually start focusing on uh, where you wanted to start heading in life? Yeah. Um, so uh, from Vegas, I got, well, I, 
I got brought back to St. George. And um, at that point, I like, <laughs> I didn't want to leave. You know what I mean? I was too afraid to even. So that was a, a different process in itself. It's it's weird how the mind works. But um, I remember I did, I came to jail here in St. George. I got arrested when I got here and I needed that decompression stage. It was, it was the first time I, I felt safe in a long time, I guess. And then after that, I moved in with a, a, um, a gentleman here in Washington and, um, and was still using. And, um, I woke up one morning, I had an experience where I woke up and all of a sudden I was aware of, uh, I was aware of how sick my life was. All of a sudden I was aware that I could, that I, there was no happiness, no joy. Um, you know, it was like to that point, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't care really, but, um, woke up and I thought I was, um, dead. So it was psychosis or it was like, it just a different, I don't know, psychosis an awakening, a a breakdown, you know, did, did when you woke up and you felt like you were dead, like, did you actually think you were physically dead? Yeah. Physically dead. And okay. my, you know, and my spirit was alive or whatever. My, my spirit was in purgatory. So it was some sort. And I, I remember at that time, well, uh, this went on for a week, but I woke up, I thought, man, I'm, you know, hopefully I'll come out of this dream or whatever. And, um, and I, every day I woke up and it was like, man, I really started to think about how do I crawl out of this hell that I'm in? Like, if I can't kill myself out of it, you know, it was this whole battle of my own little or my own world going on. But, um, and after a week of that, um, I remember I just had to come to with God and it, I realized too, that no one was with me. It was like this moment of just understanding that I was going to have to climb out of this by myself. And there was no one I could blame it on besides myself. I was in hell, you know, yeah. my own. And, and really at that moment too, I was, I became aware of that. Um, I could create my own reality. I had created my own hell, you know? And, um, and so that became really real for me too. So was that, that, that statement that you realized you can create your own reality. Is that also what started making you want to recreate your reality then? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I, I checked myself into treatment. Um, and that's where I started. I just, I would say surrendered. I surrendered to doing something different. Um, and I remember being in the psychosis state for months, you know, still really checking with myself. Like, am I, have I crawled out yet? You know what I mean? Have I, am I out of this hell? And, um, and yeah, I just kept doing the next right thing, I guess, but it really has been a mission for me personally to climb out of hell. Cause in the beginning, that's what I really thought I was doing. And what, what were some tools that really helped you? And especially in those like very first days to help you climb, climb out of just that horrible spot and in, in existence that you were kind of residing. Um, I, so first thing I became a vegan Okay. <laughs> right off the bat. I knew that, um, 
I don't know. I'm an extremist in different ways and I needed something else to obsess to reset, on. Yeah. yeah. And so um, that I think really helped, helped in a lot of ways. I immediately transferred, you know, to. Do you make- think that it kind of transferred your focus off of this extreme and onto this extreme? Just kind of like, I need to, something else to focus on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just to, yeah, change that focus. And then um, I think. Man, it raised my vibration. I remember feeling pretty good off the bat, you know, with just cutting out meat and dairy and um, yeah, and being a vegan. That was, I just started experimenting with different, um, but I mean, really, I thought, how do I get out of this hell? And so I did, I started right away um, meditating. You know, I knew that prayers, affirmations, I needed to focus on those things. It's like I just hit a point where um, I really had to do something different, you know. Yeah. But um, so yeah. So, how long have you been meditating for now? Then, um, <clears throat> meditation over three years, I'd say immediately. I I used to meditate in my active um, addiction. A little, you know, I would just to kind of get out of my state of being. It was more of an escape thing. If I, you know, was sick, mm-hmm. coming down, needed. Um, so I used it for that when I got, um, when I got sober, I, um, I bought a little trailer and, um, I lived in my trailer the first year in my sister's on my sister's property. And, um, and I meditated probably six hours a day, I would say, you know, for, um, I was doing a lot of my mind work Mm -hmm. and, um, and rewiring, of the mind. And so uh, I feel like that, you know, it's interesting because I sold that trailer later after I, and um, I went back to it and I walked in it and I couldn't believe the high vibrational state that trailer was in. It's yeah. like that whole place, had, you know, just kind of transformed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's but, awesome. Yeah. So, so what, after you started meditating and kind of began your journey, was it just kind of easy from there on out or what, uh, what did you find? Like, was it, did you start meditating and then had no more bad days or how did, uh, how did it kind of look for you? No, you know, uh, that's the thing too, is with, uh, with meditating, you know, I can, I can take things to an extreme. So, uh, you know, not living in reality can be a, part of that too. So the long-term, um, uh, man, you know, felt good at the time, but the reality kind of sets in, you know, in the beginning of recovery, I was having, I had some extra free time. I wasn't working yet. I wasn't, you know, just going to treatment and meetings and, um, kind of the pink cloud, they would say, you know, but, um, yeah, reality definitely have to, uh, it's just a journey of finding what's, what's best and what's, you know, like, um, and not escaping, but bringing it into uh, my daily practice, you know, in a kind of short-term way, because then life gets busy and it's, um, yeah, we don't have time to. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. In my book, I'm reading uh, Mm -hmm. The Art of Impossible. Stephen Kotler calls it a fear practice of, uh, doing something that you're kind of fearful of every day because, 
addiction or escapism is trying to escape reality and make life more comfortable, live in our comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So the more we uh, kind of practice this, this idea of facing our fears other day, every day, then the easier it is to show up um, and, and be able to be more resilient when those, those do pop up. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> so yeah. as you started meditating and uh, started going through your journey, uh, I, everything started kind of became easy for a moment because you, you weren't facing reality. And then, then you started coming back into the workforce and then not being able to meditate as much mm -hmm. essentially. Is that, is that kind of what happened or well, did that make it harder? But I think um, I didn't, it didn't make it harder. I, I meditated all through it. What I did do, um, you know, and I love how you said you, about the fear thing, talked about that because in the beginning too, that was, that was a big thing was, you know, if I saw a fear, I would walk into it. Mm -hmm. It was like the, you know, it was like the bullet point for the day. Like, oh crap, I'm afraid of that. Here we you know? go, yeah. And a lot of it too is just sharing my story like this. I still get a little nervous and you know what I mean? Oh, Can absolutely. I <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, so it was a lot of that too. Like, okay, there's my, there's where I need to walk to. It was like my arrow. If I saw any fear. Yeah. And that would be the daily practice, you know? And so meditation kind of became a sideline after after that, I feel like I, I, I start, I did start Dharma, which allowed me to like, to help other people meditate. And that was really powerful. So you mm -hmm. started the Dharma group? Oh, no, sorry. Just the, the group. Just the, just uh, the Tuesday meeting. The Tuesday meeting. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Tuesday <laughs> meeting. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> um, though, that's awesome. That's, uh, the, the very first so I went to a Dharma uh, coffee uh, Saturday, which no one really showed up to. And then the meditation group was the very next one. And and that's when I've man, I found my people, right? Like, <laughs> And there's just something so powerful about being able to meditate with a group of people that are on a growth path. Uh, and the one thing that I've been saying a lot is the one reason why Jesus hung out with you know, the, the tax collectors, the, the people that were unworthy of the day is simply because those are the ones that actually want to grow the most. Yeah. And I really do believe that. I see that so much with uh, some of the most amazing people in, in recovery and just saying, yeah, I, I have fucked up, but mm -hmm. I want to do better, you know? Yeah. So, so now uh, that you are have some tools, you're becoming a lot more resilient. What's what's the future for Lana Rose? Like where where are we heading? I know you've mentioned one day that you believe that you can walk on water. And I <laughs> I actually believe you you can uh, achieve that too. I don't think there's anything <laughs> stopping us, uh, especially with quantum quantum physics and uh, and the observer effect. Mm -hmm. But what's uh What's one big aspiration of something that you're like working towards for your life? Well, I think um, for me, this has been a new thing, but for me right now, it's, it's kind of sharing what I've learned. It's like, and I'm sure you can understand this, Cody, you get to a point where it's like, you've learned so much. Now it almost feels selfish to like, <laughs> you know, yeah. to keep it all in. So it's just kind of a platform. So YouTube is the next, kind of the next thing for oh, me. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> And share and just sharing what I've learned. It's been, um, you know, and that's the thing too. I feel like 
Um, congratulations on your three years too, Cody. But um, I feel like it's it's been a whole, um, just a huge lesson in transforming my life and really and making it um, better this time or making it, you know, like what what is stopping us from, you know, if the molecules and this is, it's interesting, but, you know, if, um, right now I'm manifesting with water and I bless my water. I did it this morning, in fact, and I fill it with light and, you know, and that's just a small part of, you know, the ocean. So if we can do that with ourselves and our body yeah. and transform that. It's just. Well, I love yeah. that you talk about the water specifically uh, because I'm, I'm sure you know about the, the ice crystals and the experiments of, yeah. of when they're freezing. And for, for you guys watching that don't know what I'm talking about, uh, this Japanese scientist, I don't remember his name off the top of my head, um, I'll, I'll include in the notes for the, the podcast here, but he took water and froze it and played a uh, different frequency of music, even different words taped to these Petri dishes uh, as they were freezing. And if it was something that was like, I hate you, you're ugly uh, of a lower vibration, then they often wouldn't form any crystals at all. Or if they were these very ugly, disjunct, horrible uh, looking ice crystals. But the opposite was true mm -hmm. if it was love, uh, you're beautiful, you're amazing of this higher frequency, uh, I would form some of the most beautiful ice crystals that that we've ever photographed. And it's been repeated again and again and again. And it really kind of shows the power of our words, of how we think about ourselves, of the energy um, we surround ourselves with. I mean, the whole definition of biohacking, what got me into biohacking mm -hmm. was sir, uh, changing the environment within and around to get a different result. And that's really all we're doing is, is mindfulness is saying, you know what, I am worthy. I am going to work on these things that I'm not the greatest at. I'm going to become better. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's one of the most beautiful things, especially with, with water. So I'm excited to see some amazing things coming from you for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited to do it. I think too, it's, you know, a big part is not putting the limits on things. You know what I mean? I think and that's hard too in recovery is, um, you know, we get, sober clean and we kind of stopped there mm -hmm. you know and that was something that um yeah i didn't want to do it was you know why why put a limit on things but that's been a whole learning lesson too you know oh yeah it's absolutely. like catching it mindfulness yeah well and like learning there's actually a very interesting thing that we as humans do um naturally i i, I just barely read um some interesting things about how we will only allow ourselves to make enough money, for instance, as we view that we're worth. Yeah. So if we get a raise at work and it's like five times as much as we're making now, but we have not done the self work to match that we're actually worth that much, mm -hmm. then we'll self-sabotage mm -hmm. and actually go after a lower paying position somewhere else because <laughs> we don't think we're worthy for that raise which is just absolutely fascinating that, <laughs> that if we don't do the self work, then we don't feel like we're deserving of the reward. And so, so yeah, yeah. absolutely being able to uh, reframe. And for me, this looked like it was the whole idea that, you know, you become like the five people you surround yourself with. So I better be surrounding myself with those extraordinary people because mm -hmm. I want to be absolutely extraordinary in my life. I don't want to be mediocre. I've already done that. It wasn't that great, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so how do I work on this and how do I become bigger, you know, do something bigger than myself? Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's something I see you doing too. That's, that's 
why I wanted to start meditating with you. There's, there's something powerful um, in group meditations for sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Thank you so much for doing this with me. Yeah. Um, this, this has been amazing. I'm really, really excited to uh, hopefully do some future shows with you and, uh, yeah. and talk about some big things that you're doing for sure. Um, what would be, let's say, one little tip that you would give someone who's just struggling starting out the recovery process and and wanting that amazing, awesome three, five, 10 years under them, what would your number one tip to be for that person that's in the middle of the struggle right now? Um, uh, the main one is just staying sober, not picking up. I remember when I was in recovery, um, someone told me, you know, if I don't put it in my body, it won't get high. And, Mm. you know, and I couldn't, I didn't even think I had a choice at that point. So it really is, you know, we don't have many things we can control in life. One of them, the only, um, yeah, the only two things are what we put into our body and then how we respond to things, you know, so just don't pick up, you know, and that's 24 hours. That's all you can do in the beginning mm-hmm. is just make that goal. And one little tip that I found that I'm just going to add to that is mm-hmm. uh, a, a little bit of breath work, uh, especially in the moment. I've been talking a lot about, um, especially from An- Andrew Huberman, if you take a, uh, a longer exhale than inhale on a deep breath, uh, if you do this double side thing and then exhale for longer, it takes about maybe five seconds to do, uh, 10, 10 if it's a long one, right? And it'll instantly calm your nervous system and actually break you out of that beta, beta uh, brain space in real time. So that's one thing that I think is huge, especially when you're feeling that craving just to do a little bit of breath work. It's not going to make everything magically better, but it's going to give you an extra tool to help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on today, Lana. Uh, Lana Rose. Um, Yeah, I'm excited to have you in future future podcasts. Excited to be here, Cody. Thank you so much. That's so cool, Cody.